Hello and welcome to the NBA Next Podcast presented by Track. I am Scott Allen and I'm joined by Keith Smith. We are here to talk about what is next financially in the NBA. Keith, happy 4th of July. We're recording this at 9 o'clock in the morning, uh, Eastern Standard Time. And it seems like a lot of the deals have gone through. Uh, first of all, how are you doing after the last four days of super late nights and super early mornings? I'm, I'm hanging in there. You know, I'm, my allergies are in hyperdrive all of a sudden. And I think, I think it's partially my fault because I think a couple of those late nights I forgot to take my allergy pill. Um, so <laughs> I've kind of done it to myself. But, but we're making it through, yo. And it's been nice that the last couple of days have been a little quieter because it allows us to get caught up and, you know, figure out where things are at and, and do some of that stuff. So uh, I'm excited, yo, to see, see what's to come next, yo, in, in the league. Yeah, you're right. It really has had a taper off from June 30th and July 1st, and it's really gone slow, slow drip for the last two days here. In total, with offseason, and I'm not going to say just free agency because it's offseason as a whole because of extensions and rookie signings and two ways and all that good stuff. I mean, we're at $3.5 billion in total value of signings themselves for 146 players so compare that to 5.4 billion for 491 last season so we still have quite a ways to go and that includes uh exhibit 9 and 10 deals and and filling out the roster so we've got quite a ways to go as far as the number of players that are going to sign it's just going to be slow through the remainder of the offseason and once July 6 hits and more deals become official uh, but that breakdown goes into $1.9 billion for free agents, $1 billion for extensions, $626 million for draft picks, and we still have a slew of those to go, and 18 two-ways. Um, so I'm going to let you pick. Where do you want to go first? Free agents, extensions, draft picks? Where do you want to head? Yeah, I, I think free agents and extensions, we can – uh, you know, knock out it. I mean, the draft pick ones are, it's cool how much money these guys get out of the gate now because they, 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 a couple of CBAs ago, they tweaked the rookie scale and brought it up. And now it raises, uh, rises with, with the, as the cap does. So that's a you know good thing there that those guys are all getting uh, more money uh, every time when they come into the league. And there were a couple uh, former draft picks overseas guys who signed as well. Uh, that are coming in and uh, uh, Sasha Vezinkov and uh, Vasily Misic. So those are, you know, a little interesting too, to see how those ones come together. But for the most part, yeah, we're in a really interesting spot with, uh, you know, the, the free agents and the extensions because we saw some free agents get paid for sure. But most of that money that you talked about, it feels like, you know, half of it has gone to uh, players that are extending. Yeah, absolutely. In, in players of extensions that we're talking about, I mean, it's a mix of the rookie scale extensions, which kudos to you, you're four for four on those right now. And then extensions that went official or, or close to at the you know, league year flip over. So let's start with the veterans first. So we had uh, Nikola Vucevic, three for 60, uh, Kristaps Porzingis, two for 60, which hasn't gone official yet. Harrison Barnes, three for 54. And Nas Reed, three for 42, which we talked about Nas Reed before uh, last week. So we don't really need to touch upon him. Um, But do you like the deals with the Vucevic, the Porzingis, uh, the Barnes situations? Um, Financially, is it good deals? What are your thoughts with those three? Yeah, I I think all of them are fairly good values. I know some people have had issues with the Vucevic one because he, I think that's more the direction of the team than the value for him paying him 20 million to average annual value. And it starts at like 18 and a half and then goes up to 20 and then it's like 19 and a, or 21 and a half to finish. So it's pretty standard with his uh, extension. He is in a spot where 
that's perfectly fine value for what he brings, even at his age. He's a walking double double. You know, he's gonna get you, you know, somewhere between fifteen and twenty points per game. He's gonna get you 10, 11 rebounds per game. Odd thing, I don't know if you've seen this. The last two years, his points and rebounds per game are exactly the same, which is a little little weird and crazy. Um, but he is you know, that's just good value. $20 million for starting center is, is not bad. Now I get it for the Bulls fans who are like, yeah, but where are we going with this? You know, well, what is our team going to become? That becomes a little bit of the challenge. Um, I'll go to Barnes next because we know what that one is, $54 million, and it's 17, 18, and 19 each of the next three years. So average of 18, but, you know, another good value extension for what Harrison Barnes is at this point. That's, you know, uh, slightly above mid-level money and he's you know definitely an above mid-level player uh he's been in the league forever but he's not it feels like he should be like 35 but i think he just turned like 30 uh because he came into the league so young so really good solid player sacramento kind of keeping things together and then porzingis the reported one sounds like it's going to be 60 million over two years that was the last report we received and that's a step down from the money he makes now. So that's a kind of a win for the Celtics. Um, you know, you're still paying him a lot of money, but nowhere near max, uh, well under his max number, uh, kept it in a short range. Uh, also keeps it very tradable because of that. Uh, if they do end up, uh, you know, signing this extension that, that keeps it uh, within the extended trade rules. So, you know, just a good value. And if he stays healthy, that's going to become a you know, really solid contract for the Celtics moving forward. So I think all three of those were good values. Which brings us to the other two veteran extensions that we do not have specifics because of how fluid the Utah Jazz and the Sacramento Kings are right now as far as timing purposes Demonis Sabonis signed a renegotiate and extend, and Jordan Clarkson did the same thing uh, like 24 hours later. So we've had three renegotiate and extends within the last four months here, including Miles Turner backing you off uh, back in the during the season. Sabonis and Clarkson get these, and so how how do these structures work for those that are listening and trying to learn how the NBA? works why why are we having to wait for uh more specifics with their overall details yeah it sounds great to hear you know i think sabonis is, is like 217 in total money if you add this year's salary in uh and clarkson's is going to be 55 million but what that doesn't tell us is what happens in these renegotiation and extensions is they take a um, large chunk of their cap space, and then they bring this year's number up uh, some. So let's use Sabonis because that's the one that's a little bit easier. He's at $22 million on the books right now for the Kings. When he signs this using some of their remaining cap space, they're going to bring his contract up into the, you know, their high thirties, uh, you know, range, probably low forties. Then what they're going to do is they're going to extend his contract off of that and add uh, four years onto it. And ultimately at the end of the day, it'll turn into a five year, $217 million contract, which all NBA center, that's plenty fair, right? That's a you know, very fair value contract for where uh, things have gone with that position. And when you have a good one, you tend to pay them quite a bit. So what we have to wait on, though, is to find out all right, how are they structuring this going forward? So we know what the kind of the total number is, but it's, you know, what's the structure going to look like? How much of the cap space did they use? Because the Kings are also doing some other stuff. They, they've got some resignings coming. They've got some uh, uh, additions. Like I said, Sasha Vezenkov is coming in. So they've got some other things. So we're going to have to wait and see how that kind of all plays out um, with that one. The Clarkson one is far more complicated because Sabonis is – Essentially, you're extending him up and then almost going to pay him a max. It's it's going to be really close in the end. In the Clarkson one, what they the Jazz could do is they could use some or all. They've got about $15 million in cap space to bring Clarkson's number way up for this season and then add a couple seasons onto it at a much lower number because you're allowed in a renegotiation and extension to renegotiate the current year's salary way up 
and then add on uh, years, but you can take it from year one to year two down by as much as 40%, um, which is what the, the Indiana Pacers did with Miles Turner last year. It wasn't quite 40, but they gave, they brought him all the way up to his max for this uh, past season that just ended and then extended him for two years off that with the number coming in much lower. So that's something I think the Jazz may look to do again. A little bit of an older player in Clarkson's case. So if you can give him total money, um, that's pretty big. But then put him in a spot where it turns into, um, you know, 55 total million. But we're going to really, you know, give it all up front and front loaded as much as you can. The kind of NFL style. And then bring the number way down on the back end. You, you would look to do that. And that's something we see quite often uh, in, in the NBA. And with the Utah situation, we have to hold off because that John Collins trade, even though we have it updated on the site as John Collins is on the the Jazz roster, that trade hasn't gone official. So they sort of have to wait in limbo as far as that because of eating up the cap space with acquiring Collins, correct? Yeah, yeah. So what's going to happen is they're going to wipe out a whole bunch of uh, that old salary and stuff and then get rid of some of their cap holds and the like. And then the the guys who are left – um, will be will be left and then what they'll do is they'll acquire they'll use most of that cap space to acquire John Collins uh, into cap space and then the remainder uh, of that it looks like is probably going to go to Jordan Clarkson or they may carve out a little bit of it if they, they have another player to sign and that could be part of what's going on too right with Clarkson because it may be hey we agreed to what the total number is which sounds like it's 55 million so what they may be able to do at that point is say Hey, are you as long as you still get your fifty-five? Hey, if we need to carve out six million to go sign player X, and he may be like, "Yeah, go ahead. I don't. It's all the same to me. I'm getting fifty-five million, no matter what." So that's what happens this time of year. It gets super flexible with the way all these deals can be put together. Often, what teams and players do is they come to an agreement on what the uh, contract is going to be in terms of years and dollars, and then the mechanism to get there is really up to the team, however, whatever suits them best, which the players very rarely have an issue with because it generally does not impact anything to do with them uh, salary-wise, and it often opens up the opportunity for the teams to bring in other better players around them. Yeah, absolutely. Totally fluid. We're going to have to wait and see, which is why we haven't updated those players yet because uh, we do not necessarily know, based off timing, how much of that cap space is going to be remaining for them. Uh, rookie scale extensions. We can fly through these quickly because they're TBD for the most part until next season when we ap- actually know what the cap is going to be. But we have estimates in right now. And if anybody for... wants to read about them in depth, you can go read on Spot <laughs> yep. Track because I I nailed all four of them so far. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Go ahead and go check out that link. <laughs> Keith's been retweeting it and all the good stuff with that. But we have Tyrese Halliburton. Desmond Bain, LaMelo Ball, and Anthony Edwards all have signed five for around $206 million right now. That could go up if the cap goes up because right now we have an estimated 142 cap in. So that could go up if that goes all the way up to the full 10%. Um, Three of which ended up having the designated veteran extension language the road designated rule to rookie take, uh, rookie sorry yep. Freudian slip there <laughs> um where it can do the rose rule going up to the 30 percent of the cap yep um which like i said out of the gate you nailed four for four with these no no surprises no. out of these correct not at all i mean i i said to you the other night uh those were the four easy ones right it was yeah, right to me at least it was you know there it was a no-brainer that anthony edwards lamella ball and tyrese alberton were all going to get maxes and we're all going to get the designated uh, uh player language in there as well and the reason why it becomes a no-brainer for those guys is their team one they've all become to some level the face of their franchise and they are all in a position where they've all made an all-star team already. And generally, if a guy makes an all-star team in the first three years, never mind makes more than one or makes all NBA or whatever, um, you're in a position where you're going to say, okay, we're going to give that designated uh, player language in there. And then if they get it, and we're seeing, th- this is important to know too, 
the NBA gave an official projection of 142 million, which, you know, Scott and I have talked this, you know, ad nauseum in private, but it's been, it feels really low. Like it's like four point something percent of an increase when everybody's like, it just went up 10%. Why are we thinking it won't go up that much again? But we're going to run with that. So that's why if you're seeing our numbers are coming in slightly lower than some other places that that's why, because we're going off that official projection, which is what the cap is based off of, but it's going to fall somewhere between this 206 million and, uh, you know, 260 million. If these guys, you know, make all NBA, uh, which if they make all NBA, their teams will be happy to give them uh, that additional money. Then the fourth guy, Desmond Bain, he did not get the designated player language, has not made an all-star appearance, but has been very, very good. And that one, I think, was the one that caught some people by surprise because I think some people were like, all right, I get it everyone with the but, other guys. Everyone but you. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> exactly, right? No, and there were a handful of other people like, no, I totally get this. And what I keep telling people to do is go look at Desmond Bain against Devin Booker first few years of their career. And, you know, I think you'll understand it better because you'll be like, wow, these guys actually do compare pretty favorably. Good shooters early on developed into good all-around scores, And then the playmaking came, you know, on the heels of that. So Bain is in a really good position. And this is, you know, again, absolutely fine. And this is where for the Grizzlies, because they got Jaron Jackson Jr. on a relatively friendly contract that also is a descending extension for for Jaron Jackson Jr. This opens up the ability to give Morant the uh, max last year. He did not end up qualifying for that uh, designated max, so that brought his overall number down as well as his you know season by season number, and that that all those things combined open up the ability for the Grizzlies to say, hey, we could give Desmond Bain the max and just be done with it, move on. Our core is all now now signed for the uh, foreseeable future, and we, we just get things moving. Yeah, in the NBA, which is different than some other sports, they will pay for what, you, their, what they see your ceiling could be as opposed to paying after the fact, oh, you did this for us before, we're going to pay you now. With these rookie scale extensions or any, to some extent, you know, even a, a second extension, teams are more willing to pay for what they think you could get to. So I'm, I'm not surprised with the Bane contract because if they, like you said, if you compare him to Booker and if he can be a Booker on that Memphis team, then they're okay paying with that because they're most likely going to be in contention for that five years. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, it just works out really, really well uh, for them all, all around. So, yeah, I, to me, this one was no, no surprise at all. All right, last thing with extensions before we kick into these free agents. Um, the, the looming question, which I have started seeing pop up more and more over the last day or two is, what are the Celtics doing with Jalen Brown? Because as we, you and I have talked offline and uh, on this pod, if, if it's not going to happen right away, then are they going to move off of Jalen Brown? And those rumors, you know, they're starting to start, start trickle here of why is this extension not done yet? So are you hearing anything or are we just in a, uh, a limbo are they waiting maybe with the Porzingis extension to see where that goes what is your sense with with this uh Jalen Brown yeah, Celtics situation yeah we're, we're getting a lot of stuff on Jalen Brown that is it's gonna get done you know they're just you know they're 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 working it out and there's been some stuff of you know no worries it's definitely gonna get done and you know x y and z and my challenge with that is that all sounds well and good but then we get to a point where it is like, but what is happening, right? Like, like what is going on um, with, with this one? And, you know, how are we not there yet? Like, that that's what starts to become a little, uh, you know, interesting is he, he the, the max number gets, he can't make more. There's nothing to negotiate there unless the Celtics are saying, we're not going to give you the max. Then that becomes a whole other story. They could negotiate a trade bonus. They could negotiate a, uh, player option and on the end of the deal and those kind of things. So those are all uh, things that could be up for discussion. I think a trade bonus, because I think his current deal has one. If it doesn't, that can't be added in because that's, or I guess that can be, it's a no trade clause that can't be added in. And he's not eligible for that anyway, but it really does become a situation where, um, you know, you go through it 
and it is at least a little eyebrow raising to me of, you know, how are we not here yet? You know, how is this not done? You know, what is going on? And I'm not trying to say, well, he's being traded or, you know, look for anything bigger or, you know, he's upset. He's not going to sign or anything like that. I think it's just a matter of, you know, what is going on and we'll, you know, we'll find out one way or another here. I imagine, you know, probably by the end of the week at the very latest. Yeah, I won't be surprised if it ends up happening today because something always happens on July 4th, and uh, that could be the big thing that falls today. Yeah, Scott, I right, said July 4th. The NBA's ruined more July 4th barbecues yeah. than your drunken uncles brawling over who won that touch football game 40 years ago because you know, yeah. we're all sitting here scrolling through for news, and anytime the phone makes a noise, you're like, Yo, oh, wait, what is this? What's going on? And you know, we've got a couple big trades hanging out there. We've uh, got you know the Jalen Brown situation. So, yeah, we're, we'll all be you know still at least semi-looking at our phones and computers for most of the day today. Oh, absolutely. 100% on that one. All right, let's transition to these free agent signings. Like I said, uh, $1.9 billion, but we still have a lot of players that need to get signed as far as, you know, the, the lower deals. There's some players that are still available, but a lot of them have been eaten up. The largest contract that has been signed so far, Jeremy Grant, five for 160. I want to start there because in conjunction with this whole Dame situation is Jeremy Grant still going to want to do five for 160 with Portland obviously he's signing with the bird rights but if if Dame is leaving is Jeremy Grant going to want to be left holding the bag with the rest of that roster in Portland I think so because he's left holding the bag with money signs on it right so he's (laughs) going to be happy uh, to do that part of it yeah I, I think you know my guess is the way this went down was the conversation started with here's what we're willing to do you know, with or without Damian Lillard on the roster. Are you okay with that? And then my guess is Jeremy Grant said yes. And then there was probably after the Damian Lillard trade request was made official, there was probably another conversation that was had that was, are you still good? Right. And as long as he said yes, then he's going to get that contract. That was offered. I saw some people, you know, speculating, you know, well, Portland should just pull the offer. Well, that's a good way to make sure you never get another free agent, right? Because players do not want their entire future tied to the future of another player when you've just negotiated and agreed to a contract. And the reality is for Jeremy Grant, this is one of those ones where it's sticker shock for folks because it's like 160 million. You know, this is crazy. Well, it's $32 million a year over five years. That's really fair value for what he is as a player and should be, you know, continuing to move forward, um, you know, on, on this new contract. Because Jeremy Grant is a guy who is, you know, it's not like he is, um, you know, that old this contract will run out what before he's even hit his mid-30s so there's no no real issue with that he should be very solid on this deal all the way through for portland my guess is there is literally no chance he finishes uh this contract as a member of the trailblazers that's just one even the five-year length of it makes it unlikely but i think you know we're in a spot where it does look a little weird right because now it's like man like lillard's gone it's going to be a bunch of kids but you do need veterans on rosters too and grant's a guy who has done well when he's kind of been the leader of young teams in the past we saw that just recently with the detroit pistons so yeah i I think it's fine you know for for them to keep him and keep him on that contract yeah for salary being around 20 percent of the cap that's not yeah that's not bad at all exactly and the fact that Guys are going to get – they want their money. You 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 take it. You run with it. And if at the trade deadline this season they trade them, I, I won't be surprised because they may be so bottom of the barrel, mm-hmm. you know, rebuild that, all right, let's try to get if, – if Dame is moved off, Jeremy Grant is only going to – you know, it's going to be this off – this trade deadline or next offseason most likely because yep. then Portland is just going to be ripping the Band-Aid off and get whatever assets they can. But from a – trade standpoint you know 28 27 and a half million you can bring back a decent player or two role players or whatever it might be so i from jeremy grant standpoint you got paid and if you're short for this team then so be it but you at least got your your probably your last super large contract 
Yeah, because that's exactly what this will be. Because this will carry him to, I think, his age 34 season is when he'll hit uh, free agency again at the end of this deal. And at that point, yeah, it's not likely he will still be someone who's making whatever the equivalent of $32 million a year is at that point in time in that cap environment. It'll probably be you know, $45 million or so uh, by the time we get there. So, yeah, he'll probably at that point be playing out on much lower deals, probably like half that value. But that that's fine. You know, th- this is going to hold up uh, for at least the next couple of years without a doubt. And then we'll have to see, because again, this is not a full max deal. When it's a full max deal, it's very easy. We can very easily say, okay, well, the structure is going to be start at the lowest possible number and go up to the highest possible number because that's the only way you can do a max deal. And this one, I think the idea of it being, um, you know, 32 million per season average annual value, there's some different ways Portland could structure this too, which that could be a conversation that's happening now as far as, hey, you know, can we front load this a little bit? So then as you age, the deal becomes a little bit more tradable down the line and those kind of things. Because if they're not going to have Damian Lillard, they may have more room under the tax than what they thought. There's a lot of different ways Portland can go here uh, with this one. So I'll be very curious when this one lands as an actual sign deal to see what it fully looks like. And if you front load a contract like you've talked about, I think last week, the uh, that's a higher salary. So for matching purposes, you're better yeah. off having a higher salary now, so you can bring back better pieces than in four years. Having a high, you, his value may be lower, and you might not be able to get as much back. Let's go to the uh, highest AAV of the off season so far, as far as the free agent signings. Fred VanVleet to Houston, three for 128. And a half million dollars or so as of right now. Um, not surprised that he went to Houston because all of the indications and arrows were pointing to Houston because they had that uh, that much cap space to spend and needed to get to the floor. So they were going to overspend most likely for someone and it ended up being Van Vliet here. But I like that it's a short-term three-year deal, and um, I can't remember if it has a player option included or not, um, or if it's straight three-year. From my notes, it's just a straight three-year, but obviously we don't have the exact details. So there could be a player option in that third year, potentially. But I like the short-term deal, high AAV. Uh, Mike and I, we've talked about that in the past um, as far as you know, getting quick and, and get out and reset yourself um is Fred Van Vliet a good fit with this young Houston roster as we've talked about on their offseason preview I think he is um the Rockets were so young they had drafted nine players in the first round over the last three drafts that's it's just not sustainable right you just can't build a roster that way and one of the things you saw with the Rockets was uh, two of those young players Usman Garuba and Ty Ty Washington are going to ultimately be part of what looks like it's going to be extremely complex and convoluted uh, sign and trade or series of trade deals and other things which will ultimately land Dylan Brooks in Houston too um, but they're going to send those two guys out Kenya Martin Jr., who was not a first-round pick, but he was a player who blossomed in the last year or so. He was traded away. So when you're – it sounds great to have 100 draft picks, but one, you can't use them all because you can't roster all the players. And if they all pop and end up being pretty good, you can't pay them all. So I think what Houston kind of did here is in a kind of odd way, we generally think a consolidation trade is put three, four guys together and go trade for a star – um, they did a consolidation and let's consolidate, move some guys out and create some cap flexibility. So Van Vliet's going to come in and let's just talk Dylan Brooks now. Cause we know. Yep, that absolutely. I was going to go there too. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So Dylan Brooks and Van Vliet are going to come in there. They're going to give them one, two. They're already the two best defensive players on the team. And it's not even close. Um, they're also going to give uh, Ime Udoka a couple veteran guys. And I know people are a little down on Dylan Brooks because of the things went really sideways for him at the end in uh, uh, Memphis and you know the Grizzlies very you know publicly said we're done we're we're not gonna uh, you know have him back next year but what we ultimately saw with these guys is these two will come in there and then when the Rockets are having one of those games where they have 18 turnovers through three quarters Fred Van Vliet will be able to put his arm around somebody and be like all right hey we're 
trying not to hit the popcorn guy in the 10th row of the seats with every pass. Like let's, let's settle down. Let's play a little bit smarter here and that'll help the development of their young players. So he'll be able to come in, get them organized. You know, Jalen green and Alperin Shingun and Jabari Smith and really get them in places where it's like, okay, no, you need to be here, not here. Cause they didn't have a veteran that could do that. Uh, the last couple of seasons. And then Dylan Burks will come in and that's somebody Ime Doka can at least say, Hey, go guard the other team's best player and try to help us, you know, keep things under some semblance of control here. So it's going to be, you know, a, a good addition to Houston. And I know people are getting all worked up over, you know, 60 plus million for Dylan Brooks and Fred Van Wheat. But the reality is, as you mentioned, you have to spend on the salary floor when you have 60 million in cap space, you basically have to spend it. So, you know, why not? You know, they also added Jock Landale, who should be a solid uh, backup center to, to Shingun is my guess is how that one plays out. We'll see what else they do. They're, they're still potentially could create about 15 million in cap space before this Brooks sign and trade. So there may be more to come with that Houston roster, but they're, they're leaning into some guys that are not James Harden come in and have to trade everybody to put vets around him and go. These are like bridge pieces to whatever the next uh, iteration of the Rockets is. Yeah, I like what the Rockets have done here as far as, like you said, they've got so many young kids. You brought in some vets, high-paid vets and lower middle-paid vets. Um, They're going to win more games than most anticipate, I think. And as we joked about offline, that doesn't mean they won't be horrible. It just means that they may win, you know, five, six more games than before, but they're taking a step in the right direction. And I like what this front office has done. They didn't go after the Harden as we were hoping they wouldn't so that they can allow these kids to get better, but they brought in the right kind of, uh, with the Fred Van Vliet. I I like him. I've always liked him on Toronto, the, the style of play that he does. And like you said, the defensive part, they, they need to have those kind of guys. And Dylan Brooks is not afraid to get dirty um, in the paint or anything like that. So, you know, he's going to be the guy to, to ruffle feathers. And, and that might be uh, that that spark that the team needs in the middle of February when they're on a five-game road trip and, you know, just something that's there to help those young kids learn. So I, I like what they've done. And the last thing I'll say with this Houston team is, yeah, they had to spend with that cap space and with a relatively down free agent market, you got the guys that are going to make your team at least a little bit better. Um, yes, they could have acquired somebody via cap space with their, with a trade, but you know, they they got what they needed to out of the free agents that are there. So I, I, for the most part right now on paper, I like where they're going with this roster. Yeah, I, I do too. And, and, you know, better isn't always in terms of record, right? It could be just, hey, we're not getting drilled by 15 points, you know, average per game every single night, right? It's like we're, we're playing into close games. Like a good example of that is the Orlando Magic last year they got better and a big part of how they got better was they played closer games for most of the season after a really you know ridiculously bad start for their season which did kind of bury them but the context there is they played the first you know 20 25 games without any healthy guards on the roster that's when they were playing you know these lineups with Paulo Bancaro was running the offense as you know essentially a 6 foot 10 rookie uh forward so what happened was, though, then when the roster got balanced, as guys get healthy, they started playing better. They started looking better. And then they played, you know, competitive, meaningful games all the way through basically the end of March before it was like, all right, we're now bowing out of the playing uh, chase. And that's really important. So if you could start to take those steps forward is Houston, where you're playing competitive games and maybe you're in, in things a little bit later into the year and you're not done by Christmas, say um you know that that's a that's a good sign and that that's you know that it will be helpful for this young team eventually over time dallas mavericks gave kyrie irving three years 126 million dollars that team is extremely underwhelming to me they also uh, re-signed dwight powell and then brought in dante exum but otherwise they haven't really done much 
Uh, Seth Curry also looks like on a biannual most likely. Uh, but that roster is very underwhelming. Um, a- anything to say with the Kyrie Irving signing? I, I mean, they kind of had to, right? You, uh, yeah, you, they did. You know, and it's, right. This is fine. You know, with me, with Kyrie, it was I just didn't want them to give him the full five-year max. That that I was going to worry about because I, I struggled to see him even making it to the end of this uh, three-year contract without – wanting to be somewhere else it seems like about two three years is his window in a place and we're already you know several months into him being with the Mavs but I, I think if we combine everything they've done you know adding Rashawn Holmes at the um, draft and then they potentially still have the full mid-level because again Kyrie did not take his full max uh, here he took you know, a good chunk under the max actually so that that should open up something and if there's a you know one of these restricted free agents and they have a sense of like yeah maybe we could get the guy you know why not because now now and i know we're going to talk about restricted free agency in a minute but with restricted free agency you're no longer as worried about tying up your cap space because most for the most part free agency is done right the the big names are off the board so you're not worried about tying up anything uh you know here so you can you could put an offer sheet together in the next day or so and then feel good about having an answer within the 24 hours of putting it together whereas opposed to if you do an offer sheet on the 30th or on the 1st you're tied up for several days cuz the clock doesn't start until the moratorium ends on the 6th so that's just something to you know factor in as well yeah, let's just dive into the restricted free agency. Cam Cam Johnson, four for 108. Austin Reeves, four for 56. Like you said, cap space has to be used, so teams don't necessarily want to have to hold on to that. They want to move forward. It's uh, restricted from that standpoint. Uh, and, I, and I've heard some people that I listen to, you know, they've, they've been questioning why, why haven't more teams – uh, you know, put an offer on Austin Reeves to at least inflate that number to make Los Angeles have to match it. But again, they have to wait and they didn't want to have to wait. And they, uh, they, they, Los Angeles will get to in a moment that they've really filled out their roster already, but with the restricted free agency, obviously we're still wet behind the ears as far as the CBA, but is that going to be something that is brought up in the next iteration of the CBA with this whole qualifying offer, restrictive free agency, cap logistics, timing? Um, because it just seems like it. teams that do have cap space, they're not going to really entertain it because of how fast this league moves. They don't want to have to sit their, sit on their hands with that much cap space while the rest of the league is operating and signing players. Yeah, that that's, I think, the next step. I would actually like to see them say, right, because teams can enter into an agreement with these players starting on the 30th, and they, they do quite often. I would like to see that turn into a situation where it is, um, you can also start the clock then. Because there's no reason we can also start the clock if it is, hey, enter an agreement on an offer sheet and then just start the clock, you know, right away. And it's fine because of timing wise where we open at 6 p.m. If we said, you know, hey, anything agreed to on the 30th or the 1st, you have till the end of the day on the 2nd to to match on a restricted guy because that would start the restricted uh, market moving potentially because these teams are not going to have to sit for you know six, seven days waiting to find out if anybody's you know gonna um you know match their their contract so that's where um you know i would like to see that fixed the 24 hours is a good change i remember when it was a week you know that when i started first covering this and it was awful because teams were like what's the point of this like we're you know there, there's no reason so um so that's you know but that's down the line that's something that i think we're going to continue to see evolve and worked through and you know sorted you know as they get into it but yeah i mean these restricted guys austin reeves at the end of the day you're right you know a team could have put the lakers in a much more uh tricky spot but that they decided nope we're good 
we're we're gonna move right we're, we're gonna move now we're not gonna uh, put them in that kind of spot um so we're we're gonna you know kind of hang on here and just say forget it you know they're just gonna match anyway so why tie up our own cap space so the lakers end up getting a pretty good bargain with him the team could have done that with herb jones too he was in the exact same boat after the pelicans declined his team option um but that one was obviously declined with the sense of, hey, here's what we're going to do. And this is kind of jumping into another category here. But that turned those two into two of the best value signings in the entire summer. You know, getting them for essentially mid-level money over the next four years for those two guys. Reeves is a starter quality guy on a very good team. That's you know great. And then Herb Jones is one of the best defensive wings in the entire league. That is you know, huge for that Pelicans team to at least know, all right, we've got him locked in on a very good team-friendly contract moving forward. And that just gives you that roster-building clarity over not only this offseason, but the next several years uh, moving forward while those guys are under contract. All right, next, next tier of free agents, Kyle Kuzma. Chris Middleton, Draymond Green, all signed for four or three out of a hundred. Um, Kuzma, not surprised. I'm a little surprised, but not overly surprised. He's a guy that went back to Washington. He got paid. He might be short for that roster. Chris Middleton, not surprised he went back to Milwaukee at all. I, I had a feeling that was going to be the case, and Milwaukee just running it back. And then same with Draymond. I, I didn't think they were going to break up that that trio they're going to let them ride off into the sunset together with what they've done on that roster or with that team and in, in the playoffs and winning championships. So, um, and any surprises on your end from these three, the Kuzma one was the only one just cause it looked like Washington was turning towards we're done, right? We're, we're, we're going in a completely different direction but the value is good on kuzma that's another one of those contracts that are going to be very tradable down the line is not going to hurt you to have it on your books or anything like that so that really kind of turns into all right we you know no real issue with that one and again someone has to be out there someone has to score points that team should actually have a pretty good offense i don't know how they're ever going to stop anybody i jokingly said they play a lot of games in the 7 p.m eastern window so they're going to be everybody's uh favorite league pass for that first half hour because every game is going to be like 43 to 40 at the end of the first quarter and then you move on to whatever game you you're ready to watch uh chris middleton good job by the bucks to get his number down for this this season and lower their tax bill by a considerable amount. He could have been on a $40 million deal, but for him to add, you know, 60 million in guaranteed money after he knocks his number down into the, you know, 32, 33 ish range. So that's, you know, great for him. I think that's, you know, really solid, uh, solid, you know, that's how that should work at that point with a player who's there. And then Draymond, same kind of boat, you know, I think four years, what was it? Four years, a hundred for him. That's perfectly fine. I thought they were going to go with three years just to kind of match him with uh, Stephen Curry, but it's fine because in that last year, even if Curry retires and it's like it's Draymond Green's contract at that point, it'll still be movable. And we'll see if there's any kind of team protection on that final year or anything like that. We'll see how that comes together. But, you know, all, all around, yeah, good value contracts on all of those guys. Yeah, I, I won't be surprised if that fourth year maybe has partial guarantee or a player option or something of that nature that it, it could line up and then he can just walk off with the rest of them. The Kuzma one, like you said, for, for them ripping it down, my only take off of that is they, they did it so they have a trade piece at the deadline that they can flip for picks or something um, in in he, he signed because the, you know, the free agent market, there wasn't much cap space. And other than that, it was going to be, have to be a sign and trade. And with so many players being signed and eaten up from a trade restriction standpoint until December, let's just re-sign. And then come February, March, we're going to move you and we'll get something back, but we'll, we'll do good by you by giving you four for over a hundred million. Yeah, and it's, again, 
totally fair value for what he brings as a guy who's a you know 20 point per game score on pretty good efficiency can rebound the ball better passer than i think people think and you know he'll go out there yeah whether he's traded this trade deadline next summer next trade deadline after that or somewhere in there it's highly unlikely he'll finish this contract with washington but it's it's that's fine because as long as you keep the guy at a tradable number that's all that really matters all right, I want to get to some teams here, but real quick, finishing off some of these individual free agent contracts. We've talked about everything that's over $100 million, so now we're below the $100 million mark. Who do you think has been the best value so far that has agreed with a team? Yeah, it's, for me, it was you know Reeves and, and Jones are right at the top of the list, but we already really talked about them. So I'll go to... Yo, I thought Gabe Vincent for not even the full mid-level to the Lakers. Really good for the Lakers. They get a starting level point guard, a guy who's played in big games uh, over the last uh, couple years for, for the Heat. Uh, they, they they get him to come in. That gives them a little bit more stability at that guard position. So I, I thought that was really you know, a terrific signing uh, for them to, to get him on that kind of value. Uh, they're, you know, they're, they're lower end contracts, but George Yang to the Cavs is a good pickup, uh, you know, for again, less than the mid-level, you know, barely more than the room exception amount for George Yang. That's really good. That gives them a different look in their front court. You know, most of their bigs are been guys who do their work around the basket. Yang's now a big that can play in that rotation and can step out and shoot. So that's really important. Javon Carter to the Bulls uh, for you know less than what would be the equivalent of the room exception. Another good, solid signing. They needed a point guard. We heard now uh, that they are definitely going to go uh, ask for Alonzo uh, Ball for a disabled player exception, which means they don't think he's going to play this year. So that says to me, all right, you need somebody to step in and play. And Javon Carter was one of the guys I put on my underrated free agent list because I think he's, I think people kind of know the name at this point, but I don't think they realize just how good he is. So I thought those were some of the better value signings that were out there. What, what is a contract that you feel is, is decent, but not overly great and just needs time to see how it's going to work with the roster that they're on? Did you just phrase like bad contract in the nicest way possible? <laughs> I did um, because because my next question after that is going to be what's a horrible value. So yeah. I'm going in between. All right, so I'm going to go with I'm going to answer the horrible value part first. I don't think sure. there were any. I I, okay. I really don't think there were any that jump out as like oh my god, you know what was that? I, I think for the most part, you know, all of them made sense. I know again we we spent a lot of time on it, but Jeremy Grant seems a little weird, and Kyle Kuzma seems a little weird. Uh, people think. You know, Van Vliet and Brooks were overpaced, but we talked about why all of those yep. were, were generally fine. So I'm going to answer your question with two that the value per year is not bad. It, it You know, the money is so relatively low that it's not ultimately going to matter. But the the usage of the assets is weird to me. And that's Reggie Jackson to the Nuggets for the taxpayer mid-level. When they lost Bruce Brown... And it seems like I'm guessing they signed Reggie Jackson knowing Bruce Brown was not going to return. That seemed like to me was, well, we got to keep one of these other guys. Let's give Reggie Jackson the taxpayer. And he just felt like a guy you should have been able to keep on the minimum and then have that taxpayer available to use on somebody else. You know, and we're seeing, we've seen, you know, a handful of these other free agents get squeezed and guys that could maybe kind of fit in Denver um, that, that, that they could probably do well with. Like, like I think, I would have rather had Jackson on the minimum had the 5 million and said to Kelly Oubre jr. Still sitting out there. Like, Hey, it's not what you wanted, but come here and you could be next year's Bruce Brown, right? Just cut, make shots and do your thing. You know, and you, you could, you know, have a really nice year for us. And now they can't do that. So that one was a little weird. Then the other one was Jalen McDaniels. Basically the biannual exception from the, uh, from the uh, Raptors. That is another one that's just a little weird because we just did this with a whole bunch of dudes that were six foot eight, six foot nine on Toronto. It didn't really work out all that well. They also fully guaranteed uh, Thaddeus Young's contract, which I didn't think was going to happen. So you look at that roster and all of a sudden it's like two guards, two centers and a 
bunch of guys who are you know six foot eight forwards that are going to have to be shoehorned into all these other positions, and it's just a little weird, you know, the way way they're building out that roster and just weird use use of resources, I guess, is the best way to put that. All right, uh, any other contracts that you want to? touch upon before we hit some teams here and then get out of here? No, I don't think so. I, I think we're good. Okay. All right, teams, let's start with the Lakers. They have – they worked fast and efficiently, if you ask me, for a team that had four players on their roster. They they ran it back for the most part with D'Angelo Russell, Rui Hachimura, Austin Reeves, but then, as you mentioned, they brought in Gabe Vincent, Torian Prince, Jackson Hayes, Cam Reddish. So they they quickly moved and, and filled out their roster as far as 11 players so far. So they still have some room uh, to, to fill in some on the back end of that roster. Uh, are you surprised with the direction that this team has gone, even though, you know, Palenka has said we did pre-agency with the trade deadline to re-sign some of these players. But as far as, you know, the you talked about Gabe Vincent, but with Torian Prince, Jackson Hayes, Cam Reddish, uh, are, are those nice fits from a rotation standpoint? Do you love where the Lakers are going? Um, are they in a better situation than they were last offseason uh, from where we are? Yeah, so if we take their last two years, kind of put it together – when they traded for Russell Westbrook and then it was basically James Davis and Westbrook and it was, let's build an entire roster using just minimums. And they went out and signed every player. And I think the rule was you had to be over 35 to sign there. It felt like two seed two off seasons ago. It was just a mess, right? Cause you, you built it just a disaster of a fitting roster. Then at the start of last off season, it was, all right, we can't have all these old guys, but then it was, Hey, if you're a guard, we're, we're going to sign you. And if you're a guard that can't shoot even better, let's give you, you know, a contract even more so. And it just became a mess. Then at the trade deadline, they, you know, through moving Russell Westbrook and acquiring Rui Hachimura, they built a roster that started to make a lot more sense. It was a, uh, the, the team came together with you know, roster balance at their positions and age balance and all that stuff. And this off season was a continuation of that process. They re-signed the guys they, they needed to. Dot got all the key guys back and all got them all back on very good values um, for each guy, even D'Angelo Russell, um, you know, good value contract on him as well. And it would probably ultimately be a one year deal because it'll likely opt out of that second year. So good, you know, set up there. Then uh, the guys they added just make sense, right? Torian Prince is going to help them right away. He'll step right in and be a rotation player on day one. And then Jackson Hayes and Cam Reddish, I'm not overly high on either guy. I think uh, especially Reddish has been given opportunity after opportunity. It just has never really seized it and broken through. Uh, and then Hayes had a bunch of off-the-court things go on and then just never really you know figured it out for himself. But I think what's important with those guys is as you look at it, you know, we hit a point where, hey, if one of them pops on a minimum deal, great, right? You're, you're in that much better of a shape. There. And that's what you should do with those last couple of spots is, you know, guys who are youngish, maybe just need the right, right kind of spot. So, yeah, I think the Lakers have one of the better off seasons, you know, all together, just with the way they put all this, this, these guys uh, together, you know, in, uh, you know, or with the way they put this roster together, I guess is the best way to put that. Another team that we sort of scratch our head with, with from a roster construction standpoint, Minnesota Timberwolves, they brought in some, Valued contract, Shake Milton, uh, Nikhil, Alexander Walker, and Troy Brown Jr. Did this team get better? Are they going to be able to sustain and get into the, the deeper into the playoffs? Or um, are, are they just rolling with the motions and, and needed to fill out some, you know, the depth and that's what they've got? Yeah, I don't dislike anything that they did the Nas Reed contract for Nas Reed as we talked about before find value for him it's just weird now that they have so much money locked up in three centers but that's a that's one I expect will eventually resolve itself with a trade but then getting um you know Shake Milton Nikhil Alexander Walker Troy Brown for combined like less than 30 million for those three guys 
that's really good value. I think that's fine. You know, it's a, uh, you're, you're filling out your wing and guard rotation. You've got plenty of forwards. Now uh, you, you've got, you've got those guys locked in. You need a you know, little bit more depth in your backcourt behind Mike Conley and Anthony Edwards. Now you've added that with those, those guys, you know, and retained because they had Alexander Walker before. So I think it's fine. I, you know, I think they're in a, in a pretty good place to, to, uh, you know, you know, be a better team right from the jump than they were a year ago. A lot of it will depend on, they got to be healthy because you want to start the year with momentum, with everybody healthy and going forward instead of playing catch up like they were in and had to do uh, down the stretch last season. Another team that did a lot of work pretty quickly. And I'm, I'm seeing quite a bit of kudos to the Phoenix suns with what they've done with their roster, having made the, uh, acquisition of Bradley Beal. DeAndre Ayton is still on there and that's sort of in limbo because Frank Vogel has said that he wants to see what he can do with Ayton, but then some, you know, the media are still trying to trade Ayton. So there's a back and forth with that, but from the their rest of their roster, uh, they've added what eight players uh, from minimum contracts all the way up to that's about it. Uh, yeah, no, it's all minimums. Uh, potentially, yeah. <laughs> the tax tax mid level might be in there. But I don't think so because they're so no? far over. So it's going to be all minimums. Yep. Yeah, that's true. Yep. yep. At this point, um, it, what's so, throwing you off, and this is just a good education piece. It's the Eric Gordon, right? It looks like it could be for the tax mid level, but it's the the ten plus years of service minimum now is three million dollars as far as the actual yep. pay. Uh, that hits now all these will hit at the two years of service amount so we're we're showing the actual uh cash that these guys are gonna get but their cap hit's gonna hit it you know right around two million um but yeah it's already it's over three million dollars now where that has grown to yeah they're already their tax bill is estimated at 73.7 million dollars already and we haven't even have the ink hasn't even dried on these these contracts yet i had someone ask me just is a funny aside, you know, why is that? Why am I still hearing that they're going to pay less than the Clippers and the Warriors? As they go, they just haven't hit repeater yet. You know, when they hit Correct. the repeater tax, they're they're in the club, man. They're, they're, they're going to lead the way probably in that club. So, yeah, it's, yeah, there. But to their signings, great work, right? I part of what you do is you put this against what did you have to work with? They had very minimal stuff uh, to work with here, and I thought they did a great job, you know, Eubanks. It's funny, you know, I wrote, we posted on uh, Friday, right as free agency was opening, my underrated free agents. The Suns got a bunch of them right off the board, right, right away. Eubanks, Maybe Bates, they read your Diop, article. Yeah, right? <laughs> yeah, I wish. <laughs> uh, uh, but Eubanks, Bates, Diop, and Yuta Watanabe, all really good signings, Um, you know, really good fits. Uh, you know, Bates, Diop will play uh, anywhere from two through four for them, gives them a little bit of versatility. Eubanks is a really good backup center, could even start if you need him to. And then Watanabe's going to come in and probably play both forward spots. He can really shoot. His hustle is off the charts. You got Metu as your third center now. Uh, brought Damian Lee and Josh Akogi back, uh, two guys who really played well for them a year ago. Lee's a shooter. Akogi's you know more defensive-minded uh, guard. Then, then on top of it, while you know everybody else was still kind of working with other stuff, Eric Gordon signs on for the, the minimum. And I love the Eric Gordon edition because you can run a lot of the same stuff you're going to run for Booker and Beal. Did just run it for Eric Gordon because he's a very similar-ish player in that he can work off of screens. Uh, he's a good catch-and-shoot guy. You can do a lot of different stuff with him. So really considering they had nothing but minimums to work with after the Beal trade, an outstanding offseason for the Suns. Yeah, and they signed a guy yesterday to their – a second round exception with this new thing where the cap doesn't hit until July 31st. So that is a new aspect. So he'll show no cap hit until July 31st, August 1st. Uh, when, when we add that back in, you know, yeah, you talk, that was talk about more for the cap space teams to give them that ability yep. to, you know, not have to use cap space and get these guys signed, get them onto the summer league rosters, which summer league started yesterday. Uh, the the uh, California classic and the Salt Lake city summer leagues, which was, you know, fun to see some of these rookies in action. A couple, couple of uh, second year guys were out there. I, I noted on Twitter this morning, Keegan Murray, and then Jalen Williams, the guard wing one from Oklahoma city. Yeah. It's going to be a short summer league for them. They don't need this. Like they're, they're already too good for this. So it's going to be fun to watch all that. 
Speaking of the tax that we just mentioned, the Golden State Warriors estimated tax bill is now $167.5 million because they're a repeater. So they ended up signing their first round draft pick yesterday. I'm going to let you guess. How much money in tax bill do you think they increased off of the $3.5 million cap for their first round draft pick? I'll say somewhere in the 35 to $40 million range. It was only $20 million okay. for right now. All right. Well, that's <laughs> not too bad, have, actually. <laughs> no, not too bad, but they still have some players that they're going to have to sign on that roster, I believe. So yeah. that it's going to go up. So we're rather, I found that, rather than being in the $10 for every dollar spent range, we're now in the uh, like 6 to $7 for every dollar spent range. So progress, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I just found it fun and interesting. Uh, and then the Clippers are at hundred almost $109 million tax bill right now. And I know you know um, this, but when the Clippers waived Eric Gordon, who would have been oh, almost yeah. $21 million, saved them over $100 million. Huh. Yep, in actual, uh, you know, between actual salary, it was $20 million plus the $80 million they would have been hit with with uh, tax penalties uh, for having him. So that gives you a sense of you know, where that's at with, with the Clippers. So, yeah, that was uh, just, just kind of things that almost don't seem real, right, as you look at those figures. Right, and and that's why it's a completely fluid situation until the end of April or middle of April when the thing – Roster salaries uh, lock and go from there. Uh, and any other teams that you like that you think you got they got better with whether it's they finally signed their draft picks or free agency or extensions um, to to finish off. Yeah, I you know Houston we talked about a little bit. I just you know I, I no issue. I kind of liked that the Bucks are more or less running it back with, with their their big guys they also kept brooke lopez we didn't really get into him he was on a much smaller contract but good value for him um you know the lakers we talked about i thought the pacers had a really good uh off season adding bruce brown and then basically just stealing obi toppin um which you know obviously made tyrese halliburton so happy so that that is a whole nother uh piece there i thought cleveland uh, re-signing Karis LeVert to a really nice contract, then getting Georgie Yang and Max Struess just all took care of business with, with them. I thought those were all good, good additions too. So I, I, it's some teams have had weird off seasons, but it's hard for me right now to be like that team had a disaster off season. We're gonna see, you know, what happens with as this Damian Lillard and James Harden trade situations play out. As those play out, we'll we'll get a better sense of where everybody's at. But for now, I think teams have done you know generally pretty good jobs you know, with, with their summers, even if a couple of them have been a little more like I don't fully see the vision. But you know, let's see it all come together and see what it looks like. Yes, so much has gone on. There's teams I'm looking at, and I'm like, eh, they really haven't done much yet. Or, uh, but like the Dame situation, the Harden situation. Those could easily become not just two or three. There could be a fourth team involved just from the mechanics that, you know, now that teams see the writing on the wall, they're like, oh, I want that piece. Let me jump in and I'll give you a second round pick for that player because it works out and that's going to make our team better. So as far as we've come in a matter of four and a half days, we still have a ways to go as far as roster construction from trade standpoint. So it's going to be interesting to see uh, in the next few days, what transpires from, uh, you know, with the Dame situation, because, you know, are they going to get a haul back or are they just going to, uh, you know, it's just, it's going to be interesting. And I'm looking forward to seeing where it, where it's going to go from here. Yeah, I completely agree. I mean, that's, it's weird that the major chunk of free agency as far as players to sign is over. You know, we're down now into the handful of guys that are situational type players. Yeah, it's crazy that that's over. And we're still sitting on two major names available via trade. And that's still going to you know, be something we're going to be monitoring until that gets done. Speaking of, real quick here before we do what's coming up next, uh, available free agents. Uh, who who is a, a top 
available free agents still left to sign in your opinion? Yeah, it's pretty ugly <laughs> at this point. Um, they, you know, I mean, Christian Wood, he's like the yeah. only starter left outside of Kelly Oubre Jr. And P.J. Washington. Yeah, it's so those are my four guys. It's it's Christian Wood, P.J. Washington, Kelly Oubre Jr., and Grant Williams of the uh, Boston Celtics. Um, the only other top 50 free agent in my uh, top 50 free agent rankings that are left, I'm sorry, there's two. It's Matisse Thibel and it's Io DeSumo. Everybody but uh, Wood and Ubre, the other guys, they're all restricted free agents, which is why they're all still available um, there. If you wanted to go a little bit further down, you know, on the list of, of available players, you get into guys like, you know, TJ Warren, um, Jalen Noel. Uh, you know, you could look at guys like, you know, maybe Kendrick Nunn. But yeah, we're, we're, we're pretty much down into the those guys that we talked about there, so Williams, Washington, Wood, Ubre, they're all mid-level guys or re-sign guys or sign-and-trade type guys. Everybody else who's left is probably looking more at a minimum contract. All right, Keith, we're going to talk next Thursday because you are going to be going to Summer League and enjoying watching conversations, whatever is going to go out in, in Las Vegas. Have fun. Um <laughs> Outside of that, what is next from you? Yeah, so what you're going to get uh, here some point, uh, hopefully later today or tomorrow, uh, depending how much time we want to relax here on the holiday and or if the league allows us to relax, um, you're going to get my kind of early thoughts on all 30 teams. We're going to break it up uh, just so it's a little more digestible, Eastern Conference, Western Conference. Um, and I'm just going to go through what the teams did and you know what I liked, what I didn't like. It's not going to be grades. It's not going to be winners and losers because I generally don't, you know, those things are very hard to do right now, but it's just going to be a recap of, hey, here's who they added, you know, really since the season ended, because uh, it'll include the draft and all that. And then, you know, just some thoughts on um, what they've done, you know, as a team, but more, more quick hit, uh, not as in-depth. And then we'll get into, you know, some more of the in-depth stuff. And then obviously uh, we're just kind of waiting and the minute a Damian Lillard trade breaks or a James Harden trade play breaks. If it's not part of the same trade, which I've seen some people suggest, maybe it could be all roped in together into one giant mega trade. Um, I'll break all that down in depth, uh, you know, writing provided it doesn't break while I'm in the air on, uh, you know, on Thursday, uh, which is kind of what I think will happen is the minute I kind of hit the plane, that's probably when it'll all come together. Yeah, that's usually what happens with you. You get in the car to go do yep. a quick errand and something drops. So why, why not be on a plane when a massive trade drops? I mean, it's just on par for for you. Um, great stuff with all the free agent stuff. Enjoy Summer League. If you're looking to follow Keith at Keith Smith NBA with whatever Twitter situation is going on <laughs> right now, we'll see if that gets gets uh, – rectified here in the next couple of days it has really put a hamper on the sports landscape as far as media is concerned but we're not going to go down that very much uh, again keith enjoy summer league we will talk on here next thursday uh, for keith smith i am scott allen thanks for listening to the nba next podcast